0: what is going on everybody welcome back to the fresh fantasy podcast this is episode 222 and today we are talking about must draft players these are guys that we can't leave our drafts without and players that no matter where they are in our fantasy football drafts right now we are probably going for them these are players that we're probably willing to take a little bit ahead of adp but for something like this when we're talking about must draft players and league winners and guys that we want to target we had to find someone really special so, joining me today is a man who is the winner of Underdog Fantasy's Best Ball Mania One, winning $200,000. He is also the co founder of the Own the Movement NFT, and he's one of the best followers in all of fantasy Twitter. So over 13,000 followers and probably one of the most handsome faces to ever grace this podcast. He is the one and only Justin Herzig. Welcome to the show.
1: Appreciate it, Alex. I'm excited. And uh I mean, I've got uh, I got some names that I've been drafting all summer, so I'm ready to unload them. We are less than three weeks away from the NFL season starting, so uh, what better time to kind of get all the people who are just kind of doing their home leagues, their redraft, kind of getting into the thick of things. Uh, we got some we got some tidbits to drop for them.
0: We absolutely do today. So let's let's get let's jump right into it. Who is your first must draft player for today?
1: All right, number one is David Montgomery. And uh, I think some people are like, but wait, didn't they just draft a running back in the first round? And yes, they did. Jameer Gibbs. And uh, that doesn't scare me. And if anything, that's why he's such a value. He's going around the eighth round. He uh, previously draft signed a three-year, $18 million contract. That is big money. That is substantial investment for a team. And uh, we think about what happened last year. We think Jamal Williams, he had 1,000-plus yards, 17 touchdowns. And Jamal Williams is a substantially at this point in his career not as good as Dave Montgomery. Like, yeah, Dave Montgomery. There's jokes. Like, you know, uh, with regards, he doesn't have that flash, that pizzazz. But this is the type of player that coaches love. He does exactly what you need. You need three yards, he gets you four. You need pass blocking, he's picking up his, uh, he's picking up his assignment. And uh, so I think Dave Montgomery standalone value can catch passes, can run. He will be a core part of that offense. And then from a contingency value standpoint, if something were to happen to Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs gets hurt. David Montgomery has the possibility to be a kind of top 10 running back on a weekly basis. Those are the type of players that I love to target. And at eighth round value, that's quite cheap.
0: Yeah, I knew we would be friends immediately when I saw the show sheet and I saw David Montgomery on it. I am also a David Montgomery truther. I think that people need to not forget that in three college seasons for Jameer Gibbs, he never had over 35% of his team's carries. A lot of work for David Montgomery, a lot of goal line work, red zone work, all the above. Don't be afraid to draft him. The same way you shouldn't be afraid to draft Brees Hall, even coming off the ACL. I mean, last year when he was on the field, he was insanely productive. I mean, he had the second highest run percentage of 10 plus yards. He He was third in rush yards after contact, fourth in missed tackles per touch, first in fantasy points per touch. I mean, you name it, he was really, really efficient. And the Dalvin Cook signing to me is with how much Brees Hall is starting to drop in drafts is making me really excited. You add in the fact that it's Aaron Rodgers in the team and Brees Hall for fantasy championship sake is the guy that is going to be back to full health by the playoffs. I think that he's going to be really productive by that point. Justin, do you see yourself taking a lot of Brees Hall right now or are you still a little bit wary of the Dalvin Cook and, and ACL stuff right now?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I'm definitely wary, but I'm also still liking to draft him because I think when we draft, we need to think about, okay, like, yeah, what is the risk aspects and what's our upside? And no question, there was a a decent amount of risk with Brees Hall. Coming off that injury, is he slow to return? How does he actually have that full recovery? That's definitely a risk. Dalvin Cook coming there, pretty clear that Aaron Rodgers handpicked. Dalvin Cook brought him in. And so like, does that scare me? Especially with a quarterback who like is a, my guys kind of quarterback that definitely scares me. But as you said, like Brees Hall, he provides you with the level of talent and upside that you're really not getting outside of the kind of first round, maybe maybe second round of running backs. And uh, that's the kind of things that, yeah, I'm willing to take some chances and hoping that if I'm doing best ball, if I'm doing redraft, whatever it is, we care most about the end of the season. And uh, Hey, we trust that you're going to get to the playoffs this is when I believe that Brees Hall will be fully healthy. The team will realize, Rodgers will even realize, that Brees is just a substantially better talent than Dalvin. And uh, we saw how well pass catchers can do in an Aaron Rodgers offense. Think of Aaron Jones. This is Brees Hall, but a younger, faster, more electric player.
0: If you look at, for even for example, like just two paths to win your fantasy football league, you can travel the safe and narrow path, which will take way longer, or you can take the dangerous path that gets you to the win a lot quicker. Brees Hall is the one that's the danger path. Again, there's not anybody really after Brees Hall that probably has more upside this season than he does. And for me, when you're playing in a league with you know either seven to 15 other human beings, like that's the guy that you want to draft that kind of gives you that all-in upside. But let's move on to our, our second player. What about the wide receiver position for you, Justin? Like, Who's a guy that you find yourself drafting a lot across all drafts?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go with the rookie here, Jordan Addison. Uh, you know, pay. going in around the 6-7 turn, that 6th round, 7th round of the ADP, maybe in casual leagues a little cheaper. Um, the best way to kind of think about this is it was a first round wide receiver, probably the most pro-ready wide receiver, maybe behind JSN in this draft. And uh, he's immediately sliding into a very, very uh, lucrative fantasy role in Minnesota. Last year, we used Routes Run to kind of get a better understanding of how often players are going to have opportunities. And uh, number one in the league last year, Justin Jefferson. That's a good thing. Number two in the league was Adam Thielen, literally his counterpart on the field. And uh, this is a 31-year-old Adam Thielen last year that still was able to kind of produce just because of that role. And now we're taking a much, you know, hey rookie, fantastic talent, first rounder. Jordan Addison's coming right in there. And uh, yeah, Perhaps he has maybe a slow start. You're going to see some camp reports saying, oh, you know, KJ Osborne is going to be playing ahead of him. I'm not buying that. That might be for the very beginning. I mean, hey, it wasn't long ago that Justin Jefferson, we said BC Johnson was playing ahead of him. We said Jamar Chase wasn't going to do well because he couldn't catch the balls with the stripes and such. And uh, I don't care. I'm trusting the talent. Talent's going to win out. I think by week three, week four, Jordan Addison is an every-down player, and uh, he is going to be a fantasy darling.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Wecht of Fantasy Points pointed out a few weeks ago in in a chart that just showed catchable targets per game last year. And the Bears, for example, last year had just half of the catchable targets of the Vikings, which pretty much would mean that if you had like a 15% target share on a team like the Vikings – that would be equivalent to like 30% on a team like the Bears that passes so much less. So Jordan Addison doesn't need to have like a 25% target share to be productive. He just needs to be able to get around 20% of the targets. And if he sees anywhere near that role that Adam Thielen had last year where he was second in routes run in the whole NFL and 10th of any season since 2010, I mean, that's the perfect role. And who knows, maybe they'll even pass more now, that they lost their top four cornerbacks and the fact that Dalvin Cook is gone, which may means that they're going to, you know, pass even a little bit more. So, Justin, I have to ask though, real quick with Justin Jefferson there, the clear wide receiver one in fantasy, what is Jordan Addison's ceiling as a rookie playing with someone like him?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably being a top 15 wide receiver. Um, okay. I mean, we've seen, I mean, I'm not that concerned about like being a number two on a team. Let's take a look at the wide receivers we have being drafted in this end of the second round. T. Higgins is being drafted, even though Jamar Chase is going second of, overall. Jalen Waddell is a second rounder, even though Tyreek Hill is a first rounder. There's nothing... You know, I'm not concerned that, oh, his ceiling is capped out because you have him, you know, Justin Jefferson there. When these other guys, we've already decided, are second rounders, Addison is going in that sixth, seventh rounder. He could very easily next year be a third round uh, wide receiver being drafted.
0: Completely. My, my second guy is got to be gabe davis for the bills this is not someone i would normally be targeting a lot in in fantasy football drafts but where, with how deep he's going right now I, I just think that he's really interesting on a bills offense that's been a top three scoring offense for three straight years i mean stefan Diggs said that he's going to have a breakout year and if you look at the fact that in some leagues right now or some sorry some platforms gabe davis is going as low as the wide receiver 40 and last year while dealing with a high ankle all year he finishes the wide receiver 36. So if he can stay healthy, if Stefan Diggs is telling us that this guy is going to have a breakout year, playing on a top three scoring offense that's going to pass the ball as much as almost anybody in the NFL, I think the upside with Gabriel Davis is, is really, really interesting. Again, similar to Jordan Addison, this is still a wide receiver two on a team, but this is still someone that we were drafting last year as a top 20 wide receiver, which I didn't agree with. But at the wide receiver Forty price how many guys can you get on a top three offense as the wide receiver two right now do you see yourself with any Gabe Davis or are you completely off him because of his you know production profile
1: yeah love Gabe Davis and I think the way to think about it from like a redraft standpoint is if you look at other wide receivers being drafted around him on most weeks they'll probably provide you around the same score maybe even Gabe Davis actually provides you to four points fewer than those other wide receivers around him but Virtually no one in that area has the weekly upside that Gabe Davis can provide you just being attached to Josh Allen and that Bills offense. I mean, we saw it last year when he had three touchdowns in one game. Um, That's what I really like out of Gabe Davis is, yes, there's going to be some games that are a little frustrating because maybe Josh Allen rushes for touchdowns. You've got Stephon Diggs. You now brought Dalton Dalton Kincaid you still have Dawson Knox. We're seeing a little more effort out of like Trenton Sherfield and Dante Hardy, like your peripherals. But what matters to me is being attached to a very, very high-powered offense and an every-down an every player, and so I love that. And, uh, yeah, I think Gabe Davis is a solid pick right now, too.
0: I'd love would to, love to hear that. What about a little bit deeper at the wide receiver position? Is there any you know must-draft guy that you find that's going even later than Gabe Davis is right now?
1: Yeah, so my next one, my Moss Draft 3, I'm going with another rookie wide receiver, and this one we can call a bit of a sleeper, a bit of a kind of a keeper uh, on the radar, but uh, Jaden Reed, so out of Michigan State, signing with the Packers, drafted by the Packers in the second round. Uh, when we think about the Packers right now, yeah, people are like, well, Rodgers is gone, so should I be avoiding them? But uh, there's a lot of hype around Jordan Love and what this offense is going to look like. One thing, for, one thing that I believe is it's going to be a bit of a faster paced offense. Rodgers always runs one of the slowest offenses in the league. It's because of all he's doing when at that line of scrimmage, calling audibles, reading the defense, trying to get jumped off sides. So when we think about like, hey, there's actually some opportunity for this offense as a whole. I like that. Now we look at, okay, what is the actual path to playing time for that rookie? And uh, when we look at Jaden Reed, the guy above him, the guys above him, you got Christian Watson, awesome talent. He's got a fixed hold. He's good there. And then you're really just looking at Romeo Dobbs, a fourth round talent that mostly struggled last year. And so you've got a very young roster and very clear paths to playing time. I mean, even the rookie is looking like uh, in the tight end position is going to be another rookie, Luke Musgrave. So I personally think that Jaden Reed is a substantially better talent than Romeo Dobbs. I mean, hey, he's a second round draft pick versus Romeo Dobbs' fourth round. Dobbs had his chance last year and was not able to show that much. And uh, I think just Jaden Reed, this is a job that he's going to win. Maybe it takes a little slower than what we saw with that. What we're going to see with Addison. Addison was the first rounder, Jaden Reed's the second rounder. But I think, hey, when you're getting him in the 14th, 15th, 16th round, virtually free in your redraft leagues, this is a player put on your bench, hold him for a couple of weeks. You're going to see his routes run, you're going to see his snaps continue to increase. And uh, this is a player that I could see having a breakout in that second half of the season.
0: Is there any chance that, that he fit leads the Packers in, in fantasy points this year at the wide receiver position? Like, do you see him outproducing Christian Watson or do you see him as maybe like a 2A or, or a 1B to him that gets close and is still really productive this year?
1: Yeah, I think barring an injury, it's going to be very difficult to kind of outproduce okay. Christian Watson. Christian Watson is just a fantastic talent. Um, But I wouldn't be shocked if like on a per game basis, like near the end of the year, if we see Jaden Reed with more targets than Christian Watson, because that's kind of the biggest question mark with Christian Watson is we know he's efficient. We know when he has the ball in his hands, like literally end zone is in reach. But um, can he actually increase and become a higher target share guy? That's the question mark. We're not sure. I think Jaden Reed actually has that build and potential. Maybe think of this like a Jamar Chase, T. Higgins light situation, um, where Jamar Chase obviously was able to evolve into what number two wide receiver in the league right now. But you still have a very more physical kind of uh, number two in that Higgins role, and that's where I think Jaden Reed kind of plays in. It's
0: really, it's really interesting, especially when you talk think about the fact that the Packers, among all NFL teams, last year have top five in in targets that left the team's offense. I think like they're only number two behind the Texans. My guy is actually on the Texans in Damian Pierce. And Damian Pierce is not someone that I found myself drafting earlier in the offseason, but I've started to, to warm up to him when looking at his preseason usage. I mean, in week two of the preseason, he saw 100% of the snaps with the Texan starters, which is really, really exciting to see. But the biggest part of it is the fact that he was finally playing these long down and distance plays, even on third down. And those were snaps that he never, ever saw last year, really. And this year we started to see it. And I would have thought that, you know, Devin Singletary is coming to this team to maybe be the pass-catching running back, but he he wasn't. It was Damian Pierce playing ahead of him. And beyond that, when you look at Damian Pierce, he talked about that this offseason, the number one thing that he worked on was his pass-catching. And then seeing that usage early in the preseason on those like long down and distance passing plays is really exciting. Beyond that, last year as a rookie, I mean, Damian Pierce only had three players that forced more missed tackles than him. It was Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and Josh Jacobs, all guys that finished as top eight running backs. Beyond that, since 2000, there have only been seven rookies that were drafted round three or later to force at least 45 missed tackles. All of those guys have a top 12 finish at some point in their career and damian pierce was number one miss tackles forced among those guys but justin let me ask you do you think that devin singletary takes over more of this backfield do you believe in damian pierce who was a fourth round pick or where do you see yourself on this
1: yeah so as we were coming into the summer i was kind of bullish on devin singletary because we've seen he's actually had decent success like we know he's actually a really good runner he's also able to catch passes And uh, so I was a little concerned about Damian Pierce because fourth round draft capital for a running back, it's not, uh, it's not the greatest. And uh, so going into, I'm a little concerned with like the Singletary aspect. However, the preseason has not, could not have been better for Damian Pierce. And you touched on the exact things where I was thinking is I thought initially Singletary was going to maybe take a bit more of that third down, maybe some of the pass blocking role. We haven't seen that in preseason. It kind of seems like Devin Singletary is just a true handcuff to Damian Pierce. And if that's the case, and Damian Pierce is increasing his role from last year, I would have been happy with him just maintaining his role from last year. But the fact that he's actually taking that next step and in increasing, that's fantastic. I think another thing we need to consider is Houston's offensive line is dramatically improved. We also have a new quarterback, C.J. Stroud, over David, instead of Davis Mills. Uh, we've got some additional kind of wide receiver. Like the entire offense has taken a step forward. And I think this is actually going to be a, from a very, very bad team the year before to I think that offensive line, I think this is a team that wants to run. That's going to be in their DNA. They're going to protect John, CJ Stroud. So he's not having to kind of make, uh, you know, too many substantial difficult throws, but just make this a run first team. So I am in on Damian Pierce. And when we think about where he's being drafted right now, you look at the other names around it. It's like Miles Sanders. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, all of those have substantial risk that uh, Pierce a month ago, I would say he did too, but I think those risks are being alleviated from what we're seeing in the preseason.
0: Yeah, that's exactly my point and why I wanted to bring up someone like Damian Pierce as someone that I'm, I'm warming up to. Again, I was not on him for the same reasons as you, but you know, if, if two weeks of preseason football tells us anything, maybe there is a little bit of a bigger role in store. If it probably starts to increase too much Maybe I'll be, you know, I won't be drafting him as much for where he's going. outside said the top 20 running backs, a very fair price. What about a quarterback for you, Justin, that, that you find yourself going after in a lot of fantasy football drafts?
1: Yeah, one of the biggest perplexities for me this year is where Daniel Jones is being drafted, why he hasn't gone up. I mean, if we look, I think he's being drafted like outside the top 12, something in around the uh, 10th round, maybe the 15th QB off the board. This is a quarterback who had 708 rushing yards last year. That's within 50 yards of Lamar, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. He also, I think, finishes like about QB 10 last year, depending on your scoring format. And again, this is without him having, what, any wide receivers last year? How many wide receivers can the average player name last year? Like, they've made some major improvements to that team. Obviously, Brian Dable came in last year and already showed he's kind of a bit of a quarterback whisperer and has gotten more and more out of Daniel Jones. And this year, they bring in Darren Waller, who it sounds like is just going to be a fantastic mismatch for Daniel Jones in that offense. They also draft Jalen Hyatt. They also go and sign Paris Campbell. Like, this team is just continuing to put weapons around Daniel Jones. And the best is, like, that late in drafts, you can't get anyone who has the rushing upside of Daniel Jones that we need to kind of compete against these elite quarterbacks. So if you're not taking elite quarterback and you're saying, Hey, I'm going to wait him. And one of the personal reference later are the two guys. And I'm like, these are the ones that provide me with that level of upside I'm looking for because of what they can do on the ground.
0: You give me one of the, the cheapest QB ones that you can get in fantasy football drafts right now. I, I was not in on him similar to Damian Pierce, but someone that has really grown on me. But someone I have been in on a lot is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this one is pretty simple. I mean, last year he finished as a top 10 quarterback, and he's probably only going to get better from his second year to his third year. This is also going to be his second year in the Doug Peterson scheme. And when you talked about Daniel Jones and how when you add weapons that elevates you, I mean, the the, the Jaguars added Calvin Ridley. Who is now a second round pick in best ball drafts? They also added Tank Bigsby in the third round, who maybe could give the Jaguars another dynamic in the pa- as a pass catcher, especially when Trevor Lawrence threw to running backs at the lowest rate in the NFL last year. I think that's bound to go up. Maybe it's a Travis ATN problem, maybe it's not, but Bigsby at least improves what they had at a past, as a pass-catching running back. And I think that we forget a lot of the times that when Trevor Lawrence was drafted, I mean, pretty much universally, he was agreed upon to be the best prospect since Andrew Luck. So when that guy is improving, adding Calvin Ridley, spending his second year in a new scheme and is asking a pass-catching running back on top of all that, that really excites me for fantasy football. But do you find yourself taking other positions where Trevor Lawrence is going right now in the draft, or do you have any shares of him?
1: Yeah, so I think the challenge, uh, the, the biggest challenge with Trevor Lawrence is where he's going in the draft compared to some of the wide receiver talent that you were yeah. referencing. And so that makes it a bit of a, like, when I think I can get Daniel Jones five rounds later, it's a yeah. little difficult for me to pull the trigger on that. That said, I'm very bullish on Trevor Lawrence. And I'm usually, when I'm drafting Calvin, Christian Kirk, one of those kind of pass catchers early on, I like to stack him with Trevor Lawrence. When I think of Trevor Lawrence so much of kind of our general thought on him, I think, um, or just kind of the, the overall context is urban Meyer. in that first year needs to be completely thrown out. Like he had zero chances exceed in that urban Meyer style offense that uh, we know urban just wasn't able to bring it in the NFL wasn't fully there. And so if we ignore that and we just consider what we saw out of him last year and uh, we can expect substantial improvements and yeah, bringing in Calvin Ridley and Hey, There were concerns about Calvin Ridley hasn't played a real football game in however long, you know, it's been a while. He's definitely aging wide receiver, but everything we've seen in training camp this year has proven that like, he's not dusty. He may still have it. So adding that fantastic weapon and Trevor Lawrence, he can get some down to get it down to the ground, nowhere near as much as those kind of elite guys, the Daniel Jones, but a 30 to 40 rushing yards is well within the reason for Trevor Lawrence. Each game throw in a few rushing touchdowns. I would say he's a guy i like i don't love because of the price and what i can get later on but uh definitely want to include some of him in my portfolio
0: completely i think that's that's one of the things that's really tough you know sometimes fantasy football it all depends on your roster construction if you have you know someone like calvin ridley or a christian kirk earlier in the draft trevor lawrence probably someone i'm going to find myself drafting but if not, you know, it's it's more willing to stay away, especially like you said, when you can get Daniel Jones. I'm still a believer in Trevor Lawrence, but again, all things you have to take into consideration. But don't forget, you're you're listening to this podcast right now. Justin has a crazy flag plant, his boldest prediction he's gonna give at the end of the show. But let's move on to our fifth must draft player, Justin. Who is that guy for you?
1: Uh, I'm going to cheat here a little, and I'm going to give okay. two names because the argument is kind of for both, and it's Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers. Really, we're talking about the Baltimore pass catchers. Um, Minus so Um, When we think about this Baltimore passing offense, historically Lamar doesn't actually throw that much. It's a bit more of a run first team, and uh, yes, you have some explosive aspects, and Lamar obviously is making some linebackers stay a little closer, play a little spy. Uh, but you brought in, they brought in Todd Monken. And uh, we call him Todd Money Munkin for a reason because he loves to just air that ball, cash that cash that check. And uh, what we see is, it even talks about maybe we're going to see what, if you can make the offense a little more what Lamar had at Louisville in college, get a bit more of that air raid, expecting them to pass a lot more here. And uh, Rashad Bateman, when he was healthy in uh, last year's, what was it? Beginning of last year, I think it was three games. Lamar had three touchdowns, four touchdowns, four touchdowns. The offense was clicking, um, and those weren't against easy opponents. They were against Miami, New England, and the Jets, like three of the most difficult defenses last year, and Lamar was just on fire. Um, And so I'm expecting that, you know what, this team wants to be a bit more kind of efficient pass team than they've been in the past. I think they're going to play a faster pace as well, and Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers are the two that I think are going to be the primary kind of recipients for this. Yes, they signed Odell. They gave him a ton of money, but – I don't think Odell has the same level of juice and especially not as the season goes on that he's had in the past. Uh, We need to remember Rashad Bateman coming out of college and like year one, like, hey, he was a fantastic prospect. We were very bullish on him. Unfortunately, he's just had that injury bug, hoping he can get through that. And then Zay Flowers, first round rookie talent this year out of Boston College. And uh, the connections, well, I think you got Lamar calling him joystick because of how easily he can kind of just, hey, flip that trigger and hit that juke switch. Um, I think these two are going to be, they are currently values at where they're being drafted in the kind of seventh to ninth rounds of best ball drafts. And I think they can both surpass their ADP value.
0: If you have to, to make a bet with your life right now, which of those two guys are you betting on to score more fantasy points this year? And what do you see the ceiling for, for either one of them to be? Like if that, whatever guy it is, that's going to score the most points, like what do you think seeing as the absolute best case scenario for for them this year?
1: Yeah, I would go with Zay Flowers. Um, the, if I've got to, I mean the injury risks and the, and the history for a shot just concerns me a little, but that's why you're also able to draft him. Usually around like two rounds later uh, the Zay Flowers one, like could he become just a 90 to hundred catch guy in a Lamar offense? I think that's what you're looking at from ceiling wise. Um, I believe that like, We've seen Mark Andrews be the true alpha of this team. I think a wide receiver has that opportunity, and they want it to actually kind of, hey, rise and elevate. And uh, so I could see Zay Flowers, if everything um, if everything kind of played out well, having a kind of a wide receiver, like top 10 type season.
0: I love that. My, my guy has to be Jackson Smith and Jigba. The second teenager to ever put up a 90-plus PFF grade, the only other one to do it in a Power 5 conference was – Jamar Chase and Jack Smith and Jigba, this has been well documented, but in his last season at Ohio State with both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, he outproduced them by over 500 yards and he out-targeted them. I know that the haters are going to comment on the fact that a lot of that came in a game without either of them, but just the fact that there is a player in college who is younger than them that could outproduce those guys just says that he has ridiculous upside that we're not talking about enough Beyond that, that 90 plus PFF grade I mentioned with just him and Jamar Chase, the nonstop hype throughout training camp. The problem with this is like the fact that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are there, which definitely can cap his upside or the fact that maybe they're not going to be a top five team in pass attempts. But with someone like that for a prospect right now that you can get outside the top 30 wide receivers. Like I, I don't see it being out of his range of outcomes where he finishes as a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy football this year. Is the path to get there a little bit narrow? Yes. But if he was being drafted, if he went to almost any other NFL team, he would be going much higher in drafts right now. And because of that, he's someone that I'm going to be taking a lot of. But maybe, Justin, you can, can talk me out of this a little bit if I'm getting a little too excited.
1: It is hard to talk you out of this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm extremely bullish on his upside. I do think like... Hey, in best ball, he's going right around Tyler Lockett. And uh, Tyler Lockett has an illustrious career, has looked really good, even still last year, obviously has the connection with you. you Um, It's going to be difficult, like, hey, in the early weeks, like it's going to be the DK Metcalf-Tyler Lockett show. I think they will, you know, you're going to see games where JSN maybe has like three, four catches, nothing too exciting like to start off. If you've drafted him, do not let that be a reason to kind of sell him on the cheap or, heaven forbid, drop him. Um, i think that as the season goes on he has a his talent is going to win out and again i mentioned contingency upside because we want to be drafting players that yes we can expect that they're going to you know provide value to us at their cost but also if one or two things folds right they have kind of skyrocket value and uh if dk were to go down if tyler Lockett were to go down jsn could very easily be a overall you know a top 10 wide receiver
0: I could not have said it better myself. Who is your last must draft player before we get into your flag plant?
1: Last one is going to be another quarterback. I mentioned going right around the same spot as Daniel Jones. I think usually maybe a couple picks before, but this is uh, probably going to be a bit, uh, you get some polarity here, but Anthony Richardson out of Florida. It's funny because uh, I live in Florida. My wife's a Gator and uh, all my Gator friends, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anthony Richardson's the worst quarterback we've ever seen. You should watch this game. He couldn't hit the side of a shed. And uh, you know what? I don't care. I don't believe it. It was college. It was a coaching scheme that a college coach was running. They were not employing him. I'm not even sure if they really, if he was, uh, there were rumors like maybe his agent wasn't letting him run as much, whatever. Like you need to just completely throw out the college aspect and think about the potential range of outcomes here. Here are the facts. He is six foot four. He is 244 pounds. He ran a 443, 40 yard dash. That is basically Derrick Henry, maybe even a bigger Derrick Henry. And uh, if you look at kind of the rest of his combine, he scored a 99 next gen stats athleticism score. This could be the most athletic football player we have had in the NFL. And then let me tell you, he is a quarterback. So now all we know that he is very much in his range of outcomes, getting that thousand yards rushing probably is going to be projected to be getting at least 600, 700 yards rushing on the season. Uh, the biggest concern for me with Anthony Richardson was going to be, could he be so bad that the team either doesn't start him or they pull him midway through the season? All the reports coming from Minneapolis Colts are that one, A, they already announced he's going to start. So that's no longer a concern. Now, will he get pulled? Will he get benched? The team has shown that their expectations for him are already kind of low. And uh, they know that the most important way for him to get training on the job and to learn is by playing. And so, because their expectations are here, I don't think there's any chance that they're like, okay, we're going to bench you because they know he's not going to do that great. And that's okay. Or they have to expect that. And uh, this allows for that kind of on the field training. So, fantasy quarterbacks. You need to remove, they do not actually need to be great quarterbacks to deliver you fantasy greatness, and especially what he's able to do on the ground. And so then we think, what if he's actually just like a below average quarterback? Like he's able to kind of be just okay. If that's the case from a fantasy wise, he has the ability to kind of finish substantially higher. I think is one of the safest quarterback picks you can have right now, just because even a bad game for him is still going to be 14, 15 points. Cause he's likely to get you six or seven of those just on the ground from rushing.
0: I I'm happy. I, I mean, I don't even know what else to say, Justin. We've talked a lot about Anthony Richardson on this podcast and that, that we really, I really like him this year. The other guests I've had on, have really liked him this year. So I, I it's, it's tough because I want to push back and, and give you something, but I think all you said right now is completely fair and when you talk about a guy with the cost that he has in, in fantasy football drafts right now, I think the upside is completely unlimited. The final player that I want to talk about today is Rashad White. I, I can't get enough Rashad White. I play in a lot of auction leagues for, for redraft, and he is just absolutely dirt cheap. So I've had him in pretty much every league that I've drafted in so far. But it, it goes really deep with him where beat reporters all summer have talked about the fact that this guy could be the workhorse for the Bucks. His offensive coordinator said that they view him as a three-down running back. His only competition really is Chase Edmonds and Keyshawn Vaughn, who have never really done anything as more than backups in the NFL. And then you throw in the fact that he's going as the running back 29 right now in drafts. And he was top 15 in receptions for a running back since 2000 with Leonard Fournette last year. I know it was a Tom Brady off, but still, that is a pretty good company to be in. But the fact that you could get a potential three-down workhorse, with tons of pass catching upside. And he also led his draft class in PFF receiving grade. Baker Mayfield, whether it was Christian McCaffrey or not, through the running backs at the highest rate in the NFL last year. I think that the upside for Rashad White is beyond nuclear. And could things crumble? Of course they could. But again, at the running back 29 position, you could get a legitimate three down workhorse. Am I, am I missing something here? Or is Rashad White just one of the best values in all fantasy?
1: This is one that I'm going to have to push back on. Okay. Um, I think that there's a decent floor and uh projectable volume, because as you said, his competition, it's really not much. You got Chase Edmonds, you got uh, Keyshawn Shambon, you maybe have some Sean Tucker there as well. Um, but the challenge is, is this Tampa offense is going to be so bad. And uh, I'm not sure how much they're going to be throwing to their running backs either. Yes, he caught all those passes because it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady literally threw to his Uh, I literally threw to his running backs. I think third most among any QB in the past 10 years Um, this year, it's just going to be a completely different offense. we're likely going to see them. What may, I think their win totals around like six games. And so for me, when I'm looking for kind of a running back and where he's being drafted, yes, it's very cheap, but I'd rather go with someone that actually has league winning upside for me, because if I, if everything folds perfectly for Rashad white, he's an every down back, but that team is still going to be bad. He's still going to be very low in the touchdowns. It's not going to be nearly as many kind of sustained drives. And so that's where my concern is with this. I would rather, you know, Dave Montgomery's going right around where he is. Or maybe you go two rounds later, you can go Brian Robinson. Very similar situation, but I'm a little more bullish on the actual offense. Catches fewer passes. Maybe it's Zach Charbonnet where he's a backup right now. But if things fold well, he's not on that has that actual like elite upside. That's my concern with Rashad White is I don't see the upside given the Tampa offense.
0: Totally. That is that is completely fair. pushback is always welcomed, and it's probably better when we're not agreeing on everything, but the final thing that just means that whatever your flag plan is i don't I, like i'm gonna have to just like push back just so i can oh, yeah. i can disagree with you for sure but without further ado what is your 2023 flag plan your boldest prediction that you believe in for the 2023 season
1: my um and it's interesting because uh it is relative to this but the the flag plan is actually that anthony richardson will be drafted next year as a top five quarterback and wow uh, so how do we get there Is we got to think about this season and what he's able to do this year. And so I think early on out of the gate, he's going to struggle. There's no, 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 I mean, no chance that he just comes out and is actually like, you know, playing very well. So let's accept that he's going to struggle early on. But as the year goes on, I think we're going to see that offense is going to be able to actually play to his strengths. I think we're going to see how well he's going to be able to do and how much of a beast he is on the ground. And so, yes, early on may get some of those 14, 15 point weeks and such, but we're going to be mixing in some 25, some 30 pointers. And by the end of the year, we're going to see that level of growth, that level of progress that come next year, top five drafted quarterback in ADP.
0: If you had to make a bet right now, 2024, me and you are sitting in a draft room, best ball mania five for three million. We hate each other at this point. Rashad White just had the worst fantasy season of all time, and I'm still bitter about it uh, after this podcast. But who do you think will be drafted higher between Justin Fields and Anthony Richardson next year?
1: Um, so who do I think? I mean, it's probably like if here. Let me if I was to put percents okay. on it, it's okay. probably something like sixty-five, thirty-five fields to Richardson in favor of Fields. That's not the bad. Thirty-five, the is, right? And so the difference here is Anthony Fields is being drafted at like what, maybe a late fourth, early fifth. Anthony yeah. Richardson's going in the tenth round. So that's where. If you knew, even if you knew you could get the Justin Fields type season right now, that'd be the most amazing value you could ever imagine in the 10th round. Um, So that's where it's, yeah. Obviously, I think Justin Fields has just, he's shown it. We have to increase that in our kind of inputs. We have that level of confidence that we know what he can do in that offense. Um, But if Anthony Richardson can, there's even a 25 to 35% chance that he'd be drafted ahead of Fields next year. That's a draft pick I want to make this year.
0: That could not have said it better myself, Justin. It was awesome to have you on the podcast today. Before we get out of here, where can the people find you, all your amazing work, or maybe again, like I said earlier, one of the most handsome guests we had on the podcast, where, where can they find more ways to watch your content?
1: No, I appreciate that. And uh, at Justin Herzig, just follow me on Twitter. Um, if you're an ETR subscriber, you'll see some content there, but uh, most exciting stuff I'm doing nowadays is at on the moment where we're kind of, reinventing fantasy sports, finding ways to kind of build new fantasy sports, innovative games. And uh, we've got some cool, uh, some 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 stuff that I can't really tease yet, but uh, next week on my Twitter, we're having some big announcements. So follow me on Twitter, put the notifications on. You are not going to regret it with the big news we have coming out next week.
0: I cannot wait, but he is Justin Herzik. I am Alex Caruso. And this is another episode of the fresh fantasy podcast. Don't forget episodes coming out every single Tuesday and Friday, but until next time, don't forget to keep chasing that upside.